Welcome to the Leadership Playbook. My name is Emily Hawkins. How I used to introduce myself is, I have 15 years in supply chain, creating and leading teams, streamlining processes, managing millions of dollars. Except that's not what I do anymore. I'm a career and life coach. And I wanna take you on the journey of how to lead yourself, how to take your career to the next level, whatever that may be. I'm gonna give you tangible advice on exactly how to do what you want to do. Lead and love your life. Hello, and welcome to the Leadership Playbook. I wanted to introduce you to, I'm just gonna call him a friend of mine at this point. Uh, we were actually on another podcast together he was on a panel in an organization about diversity and equity. And I think the two of us just ended up commanding that entire conversation. And it was like meeting my brother from another mother because our opinions on things were so similar and everything I would say he would play off of it and everything he said I would play off of. And I reached out to him afterwards and I was like, can you be on my podcast? And so Brad Carter is here. We're going to talk all things recruiting, diversity. It's it's just going to be a mishmash of awesome that you listeners get to be a part of. So welcome, Brett. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Emily. And uh, the feeling is very much so mutual. I really enjoyed meeting you and we are definitely friends and I'm excited and thrilled to be here. Well, I am so thrilled. He had some really great points about diversity in the workforce that both of us felt. In fact, on that particular podcast, there were some scenarios that were thrown at us about, you know, if this happened or that happened, and, and some of the things were um, related to diversity. And then I, I'm going to call it reverse diversity, meaning um, if diversity became so diverse that the people that are not diverse would be left out of the conversation um, what that would do. And, and my opinion of that was that that was kind of ridiculous and that I think that more opportunities will be created when more voices are at the table. Um, and Brett had some really good points. And I, I would love for you to just riff on that because you had some great information then. And I know you do now too. Well, yeah. You know, I, I think that uh, whenever you're talking about diversity, you know, it's important to uh, really highlight inclusion and also equity, right? And so I think all of this is kind of just, you know, how can we be as inclusive as we possibly can within our organizations, within our teams, within our workforces, and, and how can we be as equitable as we can? And, you know, that's not to say equal, uh, which is everyone just gets the same thing, but equitable, meaning that it's fair for everyone, given how they show up every day and the different challenges and privileges that we all share in. So I just see it as a, a broader conversation of the same thing, which is, hey, if we're going to talk about these things and these issues within our organizations and they truly include everyone, how can we bring everyone into that conversation and understand the different perspectives that everyone has? as a part of that conversation? And then how can we kind of keep the conversation moving forward? And individually, we need to think about how we're going to handle situations that come up because situations always come up. We've always, we've all had these 
you know, uh, interesting or sometimes crazy or sometimes even hurtful situations that have impacted us in our professional lives as well as our personal lives. And so it's good to kind of think about these things, talk about these things and, and, and you know, kind of um, have a game plan for how you're going to uh, navigate these things as they, as they come up. That, that's kind of how I saw it. Yeah. Now, you and I both are parents and we're raising children that are of the diversity background. I'm, I have a daughter. I have a son who is not diverse. He is like white man all the way. Um, but to me, there's some learning there as well, but my daughter, for sure, I want her to know that her voice matters as much, if not more in certain scenarios, because she's an expert in her own way. So how are you teaching your, I think you have two sons, right? I actually have three sons. Okay. Three sons. So how are you teaching your three sons to, you know, practice what you preach, but then take it even a step further? Well, you know, it's <laughs> consistency is the key, right? I mean, we're talking about kids and I've got young, young kids. So it's just uh, being consistent and then modeling the behaviors. My wife and I share in this, just modeling the behaviors that we want them to, you know, grow into uh, and, and having open and honest conversations. So, you know, my kids are biracial, um, white and black, and um, we have open, honest conversations with them about things, you know. We, we don't try to expose them to things before they're ready, but certainly they, they do see the news sometimes. They hear things maybe sometimes at school and they have questions and we want to be there to help, you know, answer those and, and, and help them address some of the things that come up that might confuse them. But we also want to set the stage for them to be, you know, open uh, to, ha- to, you know, to lead with their hearts and to be inclusive of others. And so we talk about that. We, we celebrate that, you know, we, we celebrate the differences that we all have as a family unit, because we're all different. Right. And we talk about how that plays out outside of our house as well. So we really make that um, a priority for our family. And we celebrate when we're all able to kind of um, uh, embrace and enjoy the richness of, of the, the, the different experiences that we have because of it. I love that. I, um, I don't know if your children are of the age that they still watch, you know, kid type things, but yeah. yeah, So I prime video uh, or prime, you know, Amazon prime came out with a Cinderella version Mm -hmm. of Cinderella recently and so many amazing conversations and our house came from that because it addresses gender. It addresses race. It addresses so many things. And one of the things for my son that I loved, he brought this up. My son is six. So I just want to set the stage there. We watched that movie. First question was, how is the fairy godmother um, a man? And I used the, the actual line that the actor had, which is magic has no gender. And I absolutely love that. And he thought that was the coolest thing ever. Like, oh, I could be anything. Yes, you can. Yeah. And then the next question that came up, and this was weeks after we watched it. So I know he had been thinking about it. And he said, you know, kings led the land and all of that. But what did queens do? You know, what was their role? And I was like, actually, they didn't have roles because they weren't considered equal. And 
he was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like he was very upset by this. Mm-hmm. Made me incredibly happy. I thought, you know, I think so much of what we do as parents isn't the words that come out of our mouth. It's our actions. Yeah. And I own my own business and I talk about my business with my children. I talk about the different people that I've worked with. I talk about good, bad, ugly, all the things, because Mm -hmm. one day they're going to be in that boat. And in that moment, I realized I am doing something right because he understands that every voice matters, you know? Um, that was just a really great moment for me. And it was in the car. So I wasn't looking directly yeah. at it. like hearing. No, out. that's uh, I, I, I love that. I, we haven't seen that movie yet as a family. I know, I know that it's out there. Uh, we just have to make time to, to see it. And I've heard nothing but good things, but you know, I, I think that um, it's, it's, it's fantastic what that actor said. And, and it's true. Magic has no gender. There's so many things that have no gender. Um, my son, one of my sons, I think it was my my oldest son, Benji, um, was making a comment that I had a pink shirt. And I like this pink shirt. And he's commenting because I wear it on a regular basis. And he said, you know, you, you have a pink shirt. That, that's a girl color. And I said, why is it a girl color? You know, colors aren't girl colors or boy colors. But the truth is, our society already has conditioned you, me, and everybody else mm-hmm. has conditioned us to think this way, that there are girl colors and boy colors and that you can't deviate from that. And I think that's, that's, it, it's a shame, but we also, we can change that. We can, we can normalize it, anyone just wearing whatever color they feel like wearing just because they want to. Right. Right. That, if, if, if you say that out loud, it, it seems to make so much sense. Yet we all know that, yeah, historically pink has been considered a girl color and blue a boy color. I mean, you look at all the gender reveals, what, yes. right? Yes. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of the rules of that, right? Yes. So it's just, if you sit down and think about all the things that we have, you know, made, you know drawn a line, a gender-based line on, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's, it's crazy. But that's, you know, our society does that from the moment we're born. We, we start being conditioned this way. It's so true. And I don't know if your house is like this, but my husband and I actually take on traditional roles like the opposite. So I do a lot of the things that men typically do, such mm-hmm. as, you know, women plan all the things and yeah. men just show up those, you know, lazy men. Yeah. Right. I, I just show up to stuff. I woman show up to stuff because my husband is an expert planner and I love every second of it. Oh my gosh. I won the lottery. It is amazing. Now I do our laundry because I'm particular about it, not okay. because of something else. Plus the head fake is I can go listen to podcasts and books while I'm doing the laundry. So it becomes a twofer, which I love. There you go. But for the most part, I mean, he is a way better parent than I am. <laughs> He's way better at like playing. He gets down on the floor and he does activities with them. And I'm just like, I. Is he better or does he just have a different approach? He's, he's the fun parent. You know, okay. if you need a dentist appointment made, if you need a lunch schedule, I am the one. But <laughs> But if you want play and you want fun and you want an activity where friends are involved, all my husband, 
a hundred percent. Well, listen, parenting is, it's difficult anyway. It definitely takes a partnership and there definitely needs to be some fluidity with the roles that we play, but we, but we are all playing roles uh, at different roles at time, you know, mm-hmm. from time to time. Right. So um, to your point though, um, yeah, we try to, again, model like, you know, I can, you know, load the dishwasher and put the dishes away. I can make dinner, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, you know, my wife can do things that, you know, now, now I'm going to say this, we do tend to stick to our strengths. So like you said, yeah, I, I will fold clothes. I will fold the clothes and I will wash the clothes, but there's been numerous times that I have messed something up. Or, or not done it right, or yeah. didn't put it away exactly right that my wife was very particular about. And then I'll be honest, I have a particular way I like the grass cut. So, you know, we, we just right. play to our strengths, but we can shift and pivot. And we like to let our boys see that, you know, it's we're all a team and anyone can do anything at any time to help our team, our family unit be, be successful. I love that. I, I, and I totally agree. We definitely play to our strengths and mine is not mowing the lawn. So I totally get that. Um, my son at the very beginning of the school year was asked, he's in, uh, he just started first grade. He was asked what he wants to be when he grows up. And I hate that question because I mean, I knew people in college that didn't know what they wanted to be, oh, yeah. I didn't know what I wanted to be. So I just thought, you know, at, in first grade, it's almost like a joke, you know, And so I asked him because it was on an assignment that we had to do. It was an all about me form. And he looked at me dead in the eye with this, the face, like, why are you asking me this? Of course, you know what I want to be. And I was like, well, what is it? And he was like, I want to be a dad. And I was like, oh, that's great. Oh, it was like the best answer ever. I was like, yes, that, you know, is definitely something you can aspire to. But I think that's only possible because of my, my husband being such a great dad and, and showing him what that looks like that yeah. even aspire to be that. Um, so that just made me so, so happy. Um, you know, I, I think, I think that's, that's great. And, and it's a, it's a beautiful uh, story and I'm glad that your son is getting a chance to, you know, kind of see that and then, and then feel that way. Right. But I also want to say, you know, parenting is hard, whether you're a dad or a mom, whether you're doing it as a team or you're doing it as an individual on your own, it's hard. And we got to give ourselves some grace. Like there are no perfect parents out there, just like there are no perfect kids, you know, mm-hmm. um, but you, you just got to try to be present and be there in, in the moment and do and do the best you can and know that uh, everyone else, we're all pulling for you, you know? I couldn't agree more. And, you know, it's funny because on the podcast that we were on before, there were questions about when you are chosen as the token you know, whatever it is for your role at an organization, how do you approach that? And it was interesting because my answer was almost identical to what you just said, which is whatever role you have is going to be hard. But if you just show up as yourself and you try your best and you elevate those around you and you show them support, because, you know, our kids aren't always great, but we support them when things fall apart, right? So that they know they can come to us just like on a team then the greatest things happen, you know, when we just show up as ourselves and we're not trying to, I don't know, cure all of mankind or something, because it's pretty much impossible to do. Um, Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. It's also, it's also like you want to, you want to, 
you want to give yourself a chance or an opportunity to be in a position where you can help and impact more people. You know, if that's something that you really aspire to do. So if you're the first one to get an opportunity, um, you know, and it's, it's not going to be easy and you you are going to be under a spotlight and and there might be unfair expectations of you, you know, in that all those things are true. I, I still would say, you know, uh, take a deep breath, um, <laughs> you know, get ready and then take it because you will amaze yourself at what you can do um, when you really need to. And then also, if you can be in a position to help others. And, and I like to say, if, if someone opens a door and, and you can, can kind of slide in, even if it's a small crack into that door, once you get in the room, you can kick that door wide open for everybody else coming behind you. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, it's really easy to talk about what we don't have or the things that are against us. But when you sit back and you say to yourself, what can I do where I am? Yeah. What can I do right now where I am with what I have? And by what you have could be people, it could be tools, it can be that degree, the brains in your head. What can you do where you are with what you have? And to me, that changes the game. And Uh, you know, as a career and life coach, I work with a lot of people who I constantly hear, um, I'm in a male dominated field, or I have no experience in this thing. And I I feel like, by the way, the answer to both of those is the same. It's basically no one's done this, you know, Uh, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I always say the same thing, which is, well, what are your credentials? You know, like what, what would, if you landed that job, what would you do? How would you show up? because that's what they're going to hire. And uh, I know you're in recruiting as well. How do you, how do you support people that you know are the right candidates, but they're, they don't have the right confidence in themselves. And I know you see this. Yeah. Yeah. All all the time, Um, all the time. And I'm going to go even further and say that I certainly see it a lot in underrepresented groups. So underrepresented groups. To, you know, sometimes have this um, this view of themselves again, conditioned by society that maybe they're less than or or, or not worthy, or you know, sometimes there's even like imposter syndrome. Um, but you know, what I what, where I like to start from, especially when uh, talking or coaching uh, people, is just really to keep and, and adopt this growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset, right? Um, and fixed mindset being that, you know, the way things currently are, the, are the only, is the only way things can be and nothing will ever really change that. So if you're not good at math now, you, you, you never will be. And that's just the way things are. And, you know, that's it. Nothing you can do about it. Growth mindset being the opposite of that, that, you know, you, you might not currently have a skill right now, but you can grow and develop that skill and turn that skill into a strength of yours um, as opposed to a gap or, or a weakness. So I like to look at it like that. So if, if you're someone who aspires to do something and you currently don't have that skill set, what, what are you doing to kind of uh, develop yourself or grow yourself? What are you doing to be the best version of yourself today or to do the things that are going to be necessary for you so you can be the best version of yourself tomorrow or, or a a different version of yourself tomorrow. Right. Always moving though, always growing, not standing still. I think 
we come across so many people um, in our lives that do a lot of um, negative speaking, you know, and they might say, hey, I, you know, I don't like this about that, or I didn't get this or that. And if you come check on some of those people, like a year later, they're, they're saying the same things, but they haven't moved at all. Mm-hmm. They're in the same place. And I think that, you know, we have to take a different, it's better for us to take a different view, more positive view, and, and, and have that growth mindset where we're always trying to uh, move and keep moving forward or sideways or whatever way you want to move, but always move because the world is moving constantly. We have to adapt and change all the time. You know, mm-hmm. 2020 showed us a lot, right? Oh my gosh. Yes. Who knew that was coming? Well, some people did suspect that it was coming, but we didn't know it was coming to the uh, level that it did. Right. We all had to adapt and change and, and we're still adapting and changing. So I just think if you can take this growth mindset, I mean, you have to look at what you can control first, mm-hmm. right? But you can't control anything outside of you. Yeah. But you can control everything inside of you. So if you can look at what you can control first and kind of have this growth mindset, then, you know, you can kind of overcome some of the hurdles and challenges that, that others might put in front of you. Uh, that's, that's one thing. And the other thing is I, I, uh, kind of coach and consult uh, organizations all the time to really expand the view of what they're looking for in any particular role. So if historically you needed, you know, 15 years of, of leadership experience or, you know, this or that, you know, can we relook at that? Can we broaden that a little bit? Can we see how we can take a more inclusive view? Maybe there's some transferable skills that people might have that would work even better. In, in this role. Maybe, you know, you might have more innovation and creativity if you can get someone who thinks outside of the box, but maybe doesn't have the traditional work experience or background that you were uh, used to looking for. So there is that happening um, slowly, maybe, but, but surely. But I think between the two, I think we can end up getting to, uh, getting to a good place. I agree. And I always like to say that you know, the only thing you can control is your ability to take action. And I was just talking to someone yesterday because they were telling me, well, I can't apply because I don't have enough experience in this, that, and the other. I was told, you know, by one organization, I didn't have the right qualifications. And I said, okay, but what are you, are you continuing to apply or are you now just assuming? So are you applying or are you assuming? And I feel like applying that word can actually be, are you applying the lessons that you've learned in all areas of your life? Yeah. Or are you taking that knowledge and assuming that to your point, that that fixed mindset, that all of that's always going to be the same. So every, I'm just going to use this as an example, every white executive that I come across doesn't believe in me and will not promote me. Oh, well, if that's what you want them to believe and that's the kind of energy you're putting out, then that's probably going to be the case because you're not giving them anything but this negativity, right? Whereas if you looked at it the opposite way, every white executive up to this point has not promoted me. What could I do different to show up differently and show them I am the right one? Yeah. And it that's, you know, that's key. So I agree with that. I, you know, and that, that's, look, that's something that's, um, 
hard for a lot of people to do, to honestly and introspectively, you know, take a deep look at, you know, themselves. It, a lot of times we don't like doing that. Right. right? Of course and, not. It, and it definitely yeah. takes, you know, some practice, but I think, um, yeah, I, I agree with that, you know, cause again, that's all you can control. You, you can't control what other pe- people do say mm-hmm. or, or think, um, externally you can, you can, um, you can, uh, really just affect and control yourself and your thoughts and your actions. And then, uh, that might influence others in, in a different way. So if things haven't been working out the way you want it, what are you going to do differently so that you have a different outcome? I think that's what it, what it comes down to. That applies to business, that applies to work, that applies to school, that applies to sports, that applies to the human condition, life. I couldn't agree more. I, I in 2015, was a terrible manager. Um, I remember this year vividly because my son was born. I came back from maternity leave and my group was just in shambles. And I wanted to blame every single person on this planet other than myself. And I spent the, that year, uh, 2015, 2016, reading as many books as I could to solve everyone else's problems. And they were all personal development books. And by the way, spoiler alert, every single book is like, you are in charge, you decide. And I'm like, nope, I don't like that. Let me find a different book that lets me blame the government or I don't know, somebody else. Um, and it took me 26 books to finally figure it out. I'm a slow learner. Uh, <laughs> and you know, it's, it's just so easy to rest on those laurels of, of maybe things are never going to, well, they won't change if you don't make them change. Right. Uh, so when you, what is the biggest, what's the word I'm looking for here? Limiting belief that you hear. Ooh, the biggest limiting belief. Uh Wow. Um, it's, it's probably, it's it's probably just kind of along the lines of that, that I'm not good enough. And I had, uh, I had a really good friend of mine who, um, when I, when I decided, this is several years ago, maybe six, seven years ago. But when I decided to go back to school to get my MBA as part of this leadership development program, I was telling uh, a really good friend of mine about it. And I was saying, hey, you know, maybe you should look into this. Um, it might be uh, wor- worthwhile. And uh, he, he just, he said, you know, I can't, I can't do that. I mean, I'm not, you know, I, 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 I struggled in school the first time. I, that's just not something that I can. And I said, wow, you know, you, you, you're, you're much, a much different person now than you were certainly, you know, the first time around, you know, going to, um, school, college. Um, but you automatically just believe that, you know, you're not, you're not good enough. And I just, it was hard for me to understand that perspective, although, but I I did respect that that was the view that, that this uh, friend of mine took. And so, uh, it took a long time to kind of talk him through, just trying, giving it an, an attempt mm-hmm. without, you know, pressure, like, Hey, maybe it won't work out, but that's okay. At least you try it. At least, you know, yeah. you know? And so, um, I, I think sometimes that's what it is. We, we convince ourselves that we're not good enough for whatever reason. Yeah. Maybe other people are telling us this, or there's 
things that are happening that are kind of informing us of this and we're just believing it and we're not giving our ourselves a chance to at least find out, you know, how, how great we can actually be. I love that example. I, I went my undergrad, I went to university of Tennessee. And when I went to school there, it was the number one party school in the nation. So that's something that Harvard never talks about. Uh, (laughs) And I had this limiting belief in my head that I went to the number one party school in the nation. Right. So why would anybody hire me? Well, I still got a degree and it was from one of the best schools in supply chain, which was what I was in at the time. And then I worked actually in downtown Atlanta and would pass the Georgia Tech campus um, for lunch and that kind of thing. And I had this thought of, I wonder what it would be like to go to school there. Cause that's just like, to me, that was my version of Harvard. That was yeah. like, when you hit that, you have done it. And yes. And so I just started seeing myself there. Like I just would envision myself being there and some idiot let me go to school there, which is just so cool. That's how I felt, by the way, this is me. They, they let me in and there's some system malfunction and I got in to the MBA program. And so I better sit my butt on the front row and take crazy notes. And somebody that I completely admire, um, that's just an amazing businessman to this day, just has killed it in the business world. He came up to me, he was in the program with me and he said, what business do you own? Now, mind you, it was a long time ago. I was 27, 28 years old. I was one of the youngest people in this program. I did not own a business. I barely knew, you know, where I was, you know, and that I think planted a seed in and of itself that I have since told him, like, thank you for saying that. Cause I don't think I would have ever. Yeah. You know, he spoke it into life, right? Yeah. Right? So, but, you know, it's so funny because I, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. I was done. Go for it. That's a really important thought, though. You you weren't a business owner at that point. Mm-hmm. But someone said it to you thinking that you were. Mm-hmm. And then that seed of possibility was planted in your mind. Yes. And so it became true. And I think we can all do that. You know, mm-hmm. we can all do these things like that if we can just see there's, there's so many stories um, like that. I, I don't want to take us off on a tangent, but like just the what's possible yeah. is, is unlimited. It okay? is. It's unlimited. One of my favorite movie quotes is there is no spoon from the matrix for that very reason. Yeah. Now, now the matrix is deep. That's deep. Yes. And I hear they're making another one and I can't wait. Like, oh, like, yeah. I love it. But I like, you know, there's, and so this is how I operate. There's no such thing as impossible. It may be improbable, but it's not, it's not impossible. Uh-huh. Um, you know, any, we, 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 we can do a lot more than we, than we think. I love that. I love that. So how do you, how did you get to where you are? Let's start there. Cause you're, you've done so many different things. And by the way, when I've talked to you about it, I mean, you talk about everything you've done in my opinion, so nonchalantly, like it's just, so then I did this and then, and I'm like, well, that seems really hard and you're making it not sound hard. So tell me a little bit more about that. Well, you know, so I'm currently the managing director for uh, the Jacobson group, um, our executive search practice. And the Jacobson group is a, a talent solution, executive search and talent solutions firm 
that's dedicated to the insurance industry. And, I'm, and I've been at Jacobson for about two years. The interesting thing is that I've never spent any time in recruitment or uh, talent solutions prior to this. And so this was a pretty big pivot for me. Um, I spent the majority of my career, uh, well, all of my career has been in insurance, working for various insurance organizations. Most of that had been in sales and marketing or, or sales and marketing type roles and uh, started out a little bit in claims and then kind of talked my way into sales and marketing. So, um, and, and, and then I will add though, that at several organizations, I was, uh, um, I had the opportunity to contribute to diversity, equity, and inclusion strategies. And um, in, in a small way at first, when I was first getting started and kind of you know, cutting my teeth and kind of learning, and then in, in increasingly larger roles until ultimately I was um, a diversity partner with uh, Munich Re leading, leading that effort. And so I, it's, I've, always, I, I've always had, let me take that back. I learned early on to adopt a growth mindset. I didn't have a growth mindset at first, okay? So you can be converted. Okay, so you're out there and you're thinking, gosh, I just don't think like that. You can, you know, <laughs> just yeah. be open. So I and I and I and I read a lot of books like you. I, I started uh, really um, getting excited about reading new things and interesting things and development things and leadership things and just all kinds of stuff, because, um, you know, that's. You know, that's one way to really just kind of feed yourself, feed your mind, right? Um, but but do, in doing that, it also made me just really want to kind of actively take control of my own destiny. So when I first started in the insurance industry, and by the way, I, I didn't think I'd be in insurance for more than six months. I mean, I, I wanted to make commercials. I wanted to be a copywriter working for you know, a big ad agency in New York or, or, or Chicago and, you know, making, making commercials. Um, and then I ended up in insurance. Uh, but, you know, really, I, that, it wasn't my, my plan A to go into insurance. And I think a lot of people maybe um, at my age or, or uh, even older than that, you know, we didn't have insurance designations or degrees or, or, or majors in school. And so it was kind of just, you know, this kind of this hidden, hidden secret, I guess, to us um, at the time. But at any rate, uh, I'm thankful that I did get into insurance because it's been a beautiful industry and, and career uh, for me to, to have so many opportunities. And there's so many opportunities that, that still exist. And I, and I like to think that I'm, you know, maybe halfway, you know, I, I've got, I've got, uh, still some long road ahead of me, but, um, you know, I've, I've really, you know, in, in adopting a growth mindset and, and reading everything I could, I've always had an, uh, an open mind to new and different opportunities and taking chances and mostly on myself. I don't know that I've ever taken a role that I felt a hundred percent ready for. Oh, now, wait, say that again. Say that again, please. I don't think I've ever taken a role that I felt a hundred percent ready for. Oh, you know, there was, there's some risk involved, you know, and you have to, you have to bet on yourself a little bit, but you know, it's kind of like, I don't know if, if you ski or if anyone out there skis, but it's kind of like when you're just about to go down at black diamond, the, the butterflies you get, 
in your stomach. Now you, you know, you, you know what to do. It's just, but it's going to be, you're going to go fast and it's going to be a little bumpy and a little, little scary. Uh, but you know, sometimes you just gotta, you gotta take that leap. Right. And so I've always felt like, Hey, let, let's see what I can do next. A lot of people think about what if this goes wrong? Yeah. I like to reframe that and say, what if this is the best thing that has ever happened? And I like hit it out of the park or I, you know, I like to just reframe everything into a positive spin and then that gets me amped up and then, you know, I'm ready to go. So, I mean, I've, you know, I, I say, I say yes, an awful lot. And uh, I throw caution to the wind, but I'm, but remember though, I'm always trying to make sure that I'm ready when the opportunities come. So I think Denzel Washington said, stay ready. So you don't have to get ready. And I, I love that. So I'm always trying to, and I, and get ready for what? I don't know, but I, whatever it is, right. I'm going to be ready. That's part of the most exciting thing is not knowing, you know, yeah. I think if somebody said to me right now, you know, I can tell you what the, what's going to happen in the next five years, I would be like, Nope, don't do it. Let me live it, learn it, all the things, right. even the hard stuff, because that's really where I learn the most. Yeah. All the crying. I need all the frustration. I need all the things because it's going to make me better, but that's hard. I heard this thing. I was listening to this podcast and I'm going to get the quote wrong, but it was something about pursuing joy and how we refer, we, we, we don't understand what we mean by joy. So joy being, what do you love doing? So for instance, insurance for you, But what I think is so interesting is it's not just insurance, but it's also bringing diversity and equity to that business. And you've done this great job of marrying those two together. Yeah. Here's the thing that's joy, right? Because you're, you're taking these two things that need to be together. They need to get married and be, you know, have babies. Um, But that's not easy. And I think people think that when you're living in joy, that joy is just awesome all the time. But yeah. in order to truly feel joy, and if you're living your passion, those hard things, you embrace the hard things because you see the possibility on the other side. And yeah. how, you know what? If I'm going to do hard things, I'm going to do hard things in what I love. Right. Um, I'm not going to do hard things that I don't enjoy. And I, I work with a lot of people who think this can't be my purpose because it got hard. Nice. So, it's pro- this isn't for me because it got real hard. And I always say, no, that means you just hit the good part. Like you hit the middle of the cake. You haven't gotten all the way down. Like you got three more layers in there. It's going to be awesome, but yeah. you got to shovel some poop, you know, to get there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, have you read anything by David Goggins? No. You know, David Goggins? That name is familiar, but I can't. Okay. So that's one that you got to. Um, I'm writing it. Uh, can't, can't Hurt Me, I think, is the, the book. Uh, I know who this guy is. Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, I, I have not read his book, but I did read the book about him where he was okay. the Navy SEAL that came in. And of course, he didn't say his name for years. Like he wanted to be anonymous for years. Yeah, yeah. But I've heard him on several podcasts and he is phenomenal yeah he's a he's because kind of what you what you were just saying it just reminded me of that like the whole embrace to suck mm-hmm. you know push through you, your mind is going to tell you that you're done way before you're you're really done uh mm-hmm. and you got to kind of push through that and, and and that's whether it's something physical something sports related whether it's something business related like 
again, like life. Yeah. Like, you know, and so you have to kind of push through that. Nothing is, it's kind of cliche, but it's, it's a, the old saying that nothing worth having is, is easier. I think that's how it is. Some, something like that. Right. Um, yeah. if, if it's worth having, it's probably not going to be easy. I think, I think like that's nothing is worth having that isn't worth doing or something. Like yeah. That. Like I'm probably like mixing up a bunch of them, no, but I, 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 I was picking up what you were laying down. Like okay. I totally get it. <laughs> yeah. Like we can't, we can't just sit back and expect things to just happen to us uh, mm-hmm. and for us. And, you know, no one's just going to tap me on the shoulder and say, Hey, we got this big corner office with this nice big desk and cushy table. Oh, and by the way, we want to triple your salary. Let's, you know, how's that sound? Does it sound good to you? Like, that doesn't happen. No. You know, at this, I mean, I don't know anyone that that has happened to. So, um, you've got to work for it. You've got to work for it. You've got to earn it. And it's probably going to get a little uncomfortable, but you can take those things that are hard for you and you can make them easy. I just, listen, we're talking about kids. I just had this conversation last night with my, with my eight-year-old who really, really, really loves football right now. And uh, he's like, dad, you know, I, I just, I really need you to teach me everything you know about football because I want to, I want to play in the NFL one day. And I was like, hey, listen, that is that is a great goal. And, you know, um, you shoot for the stars, buddy. But listen, I can I can teach you and tell you everything I know. But you still got to do the work. You still got to do a, a lot of hard work if that's something that you really want to do. He's like, oh, I, I know, I know. But, and, I, and I will. I said, all right, well, you know, uh, did you did you do your push ups today? Because I told him, you know, just start with doing 10 push-ups when you wake up in the morning and do 10 push-ups before you go to bed. I said, did you do your push-ups today? And he's like, no, I didn't do it. I said, all right, now you just told me that you want to eventually be in the NFL. So, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. You've got to actually do the work. You've got, I can tell you everything I know, but you've got to actually do the work. And you know, it could be the NFL, it could be the NBA, it could be, could be he wants to be a CEO, it could be he wants to be a, a business owner, right? right? Um, you still, someone can tell you and maybe show you the path, you still got to walk it. And that takes courage and that takes discipline and that takes uh, focus and it takes dedication. Now, my son is eight. I definitely want him to be a kid. Yeah, <laughs> no, and, 100%. Right? <laughs> You know, so I don't want to, I don't want anyone to think that I'm out there trying to, you know, <laughs> get my son to, uh, you know, play in the NFL. That's not the point. The point is I want him to, to, to understand that he can achieve any goal that he sets for himself, but if he commits to it and works hard. I love that. I, I actually had a similar situation. My daughter's nine and it was actually when she was eight and she started playing basketball and she had played in the driveway with my husband where my husband's always going to let her win. Right. And she's very tall for her age. So of course, even with zero skill, they're going to have her guard the taller players, which are typically fairly good. So first game out, they played the hardest team in the league, (laughs) really horrible first game. She held it together. They got their, I mean, they just got the floor wiped on their faces. It was awful. So we get to the car and she just bursts into tears. And this one girl that was guarding her was, I mean, a beast. She was on her the whole game. That same girl was scoring. I mean, just mopping the floor. 
So she cries, you know, she's in the car, just, I mean, like dry heave crying. Right. And uh, you know, I'm a big fan of holding space for that. I never tell my kids yeah. to not cry. I'm like, have that moment, you know, yeah. David Goggins embrace the suck for sure. I feel it, man. Feel all that suck. Cause it did suck. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you it didn't. And yeah. she's like, I'm not going to play anymore. Well, that's not how we roll in our family. And you know, I love, I love that thought. You can feel that you don't have to play anymore today, Yeah. but that's why you're going to practice. And that's why you're going to go run. And that's why you're going to do drills because you're going to get better. And the next time you face that girl, you're going to be even better. And so, you know, I'm thinking that all these words are kind of empty and just like laying on her, you know, and just whatever, whatever, mom, uh, we get out of the car. When we get home, she gets out of the car picks up the basketball and goes and, and shoots hoops in the driveway. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Yes. And the next time it was so awesome. Three weeks later, she faces the same team. Cause it's a small league. So you end up playing the same team a few times. <laughs> she had this like fire and focus on her face. And she looked at that tall girl and motioned for her to oh, wow. over before the game started. Yeah. I was like, and my daughter, by the way, is everyone's friend. She is the most mild mannered person. So we were worried that this would not be a good sport for her, but then she embraced it because she saw the competitiveness, but it was just like you said, yeah, you're going to have those days that aren't so good. But when you put in the work and she'd been doing the drills and all the things in that game, they held them almost the whole game. The team still beat them, but it was by one point, not 10 in the last one. Amazing progress. Yeah. And I agree. Like, she wants to play basketball and do all these great things, but I'm not, you know, back to the NFL thing. I'm not trying to get her to go to college on a basketball scholarship, but right, right. regardless, you need to train like it, you know, you need to practice. Oh, that carries over into everything else. Right. Like that's, I, that's why I think sports, especially, you know, youth sports and, and team sports are so great mm-hmm. um, because, you know, it helps kids understand how to overcome adversity. Mm-hmm. You know, things aren't going to always go, you, you know, here, I'm going to say something. This might not be popular, but um, I'm from the generation where everyone did not get a trophy uh, or a ribbon. I'm, I'm not I, a trophy fan. I, I'm with you on this one. I do not enjoy that. I don't think it it doesn't solve anything. Yeah. And playing these sports uh, and these activities are, are, are a privilege. And, um, you know, you should kind of respect that and you should... You should, you should honor that, honor your opponents and um, really work as hard as you can. And I mean, that's the way it was when I was coming up. And that's what, that's what we had to do. And, that, and that's what I took from a lot of the sports I played. I played, uh, I played football, um, wrestling, and then I ended up playing rugby, which was a really crazy sport. We could probably do a whole podcast on that at some other time. It was great though. But, but those sports really helped me like, understand because I, I I transferred that right over into the into the classroom you know whether it was calculus or you know chemistry or whatever subject it was that was you know tough you know I had to dig deep and, and focus and 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 not give up not give up on myself yeah you know and sometimes we want to just we want to kind of give up or just you know um throw cash it in and and uh we don't get that far. I love that you showed your daughter, helped her realize the importance of, of not quitting. 
Yeah. Because once you start quitting, it's easy to keep doing that. Well, and then nothing happens there, right? Like when you quit, it literally nothing happens. So don't get me wrong. Quit if somebody's beating you like that, like beating you to death or something like you want to quit certain things, quit touching a hot stove. But when things get hard, I mean, just on the other side of that is so much great. I I feel blessed that I was an average person. I'm not athletically gifted. I was always middle of the road in school, just always kind of middle of everything. Wasn't the worst at anything, but just kind of middle of the road. And on paper, you would say, you know, but it's exactly what you said. The difference was I don't have a quit button. I don't have an off switch. I just keep going. And that that's what level sets the playing field, you know, is that level of commitment and saying, I'm going to finish this thing, focus and commitment. And, um, you know, especially those people that are focusing on, I don't see women in this area. I don't see any people of color in this area. I don't see any, you know, voice or person like me. Uh, yeah. So that means you get to do it and you get to create it. And you get to just keep going with it, you know, and, and yeah. own that space. So, yeah, you know, and I'll say like, cause we're talking about sports, but I'll say like to, to translate this over to like the professional setting, like if, if you're in your uh, career and you've hit some roadblocks or, you know, you've, you know, maybe you've plateaued and, and you're not sure what, you know, what the next thing is going to look like, or, you know, you gotta, if you can, if you can, take a look at your situation and say, I've done everything that I possibly can to to continue to grow and and to move myself forward. Um, Then I'd say, if you, if you can honestly say you've done everything, then I'd say, you know, it's okay to start. You might have to look externally or or, or look elsewhere. That doesn't mean that you're going to, you're quitting. Well, you're quitting not on you, but you're shifting yourself forward. You might have to pivot to do that. So I, so what I'm trying to say is, if you look at how you manage your career, and and there's never a better time to start looking at managing your career than today, whether that's you know the beginning or the middle or you know way further down the road, today is a good time to start actively managing career. And so when you're doing that, just you know look at how and when you can make key movements or pivots that are going to keep you moving forward. And, and like I said earlier, uh, you know, I, I, I took op- chances and, and took opportunities that I know I wasn't ready for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, you know, made sure that I never quit until I, until I, you know, meet the, the, the challenge. So, um, you know, you, you got to practice that, take, take little steps. You know, I, uh, I was talking to a guy, I think this was a few years ago now, but I was talking to a guy who said, you know, I just wanted to take little, small, little challenges and just try to overcome them. So I told myself I wanted to learn to play one song on the guitar. And then he's like, but I learned that one song. And I was like, okay, all right. And then I learned three songs. And then I learned 10 songs. And now, you know, I play in a band. I would love to play in a band. Now I'm not going to play in a band. Okay. But... But you can, you can, you know, we can move, we can grow, we can be the best version of ourselves if we believe in the possibility of that. So. 
I was really hoping that story was going to end. And that man was Bruce Springsteen or like, you know, something (laughs) like that. (laughs) Like, And he became like a legend in the guitar world, you know, Uh, but still it's so true. I think we, to your, back to your son wanting to play in the NFL, that is like, you know, step one, step 1000. Right. Yeah. Right. and whereas like your friend had such a better goal of not that your son's goal is not great, but you know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah, yeah. a song, cause that's actually doable and manageable. I mean, we got to get started. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, owning my own business, I have to say, I have read and now witnessed personally um, that it can take five years to become profitable. It did not take me that long just have to hold inventory and all those things, but still it's taken that long to figure out my lane and the purpose and like all the things I would not trade that time for anything because I've learned so much about who I want to serve, how to best serve them, why I want to continue this journey, all the things. And so I think a lot of people think when they're switching lanes or changing jobs back to your point, you're not giving up on yourself. You're not giving up. You're saying, no, no, my gifts are better elsewhere. And I'm going to take all that learning. Yeah. And I'm going to move it over here. I have, I work with people who will say, well, I'm changing industry. So that means I have to start at entry level. What? Who said that? Oh, yeah. Who said that? I think that's a horrible idea. And then guess what? Before they meet me, they've been applying and everybody says they're overqualified. And I'm like, right, because you are. Yeah, you, should, yeah. you should keep going where you are and right. take all of that learning and experience with you. And this is this is hard for a lot of people because they're like, because I don't have that specific industry knowledge. Well, you can learn that. You can watch a YouTube video on that. I'm not worried. Yeah, about that. yeah. I mean, you can YouTube anything now. I don't know what we did before <laughs> YouTube. I YouTube everything. Oh, yeah, it is like the... Oh, it's beautiful. And that's the other thing. A lot of people, and I don't know if you have this too, where people say, I've never used, I'm going to use Salesforce as an example, because it just seems like a system that everybody knows or SAP or big dog systems. I bet you that if you went out on YouTube, that you could find some point and click guides on how those systems function, right? Some bells and whistles, some little sales video, something. And it really matters more about the spirit and intent of understanding what the tool does not exactly what buttons to push. Cause like anybody can figure that out. Yeah. And I, I'm going to agree with that. And I'm going to say, um, just get comfortable embracing technology and yeah. because it's not going away. It, there's only going to be more of it. Right. So, yeah. and I did, I have to do this every day. Um, gosh, I think I just used clubhouse for the first time a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there was something else that I just, that I just did. I don't know. There's like every week there's some new thing. Mm -hmm. that I'm uh, experiencing, but you got to lean into that because, you know, technology is just ramping up uh, rapidly. And if you can do that, if you can kind of keep yourself relevant and, and, and at least uh, aware of some of these things that are out there, you'll, you'll continue to open up opportunities for yourself. I love that. Well, I have truly enjoyed our time today uh, and our awesome conversation about jobs and children and enoughness i mean we went all over the place and it was so fun yeah. i could talk yeah. for like days absolutely days. emily it's a pleasure thank you so much for having me this was awesome um, is there one last thing anything it could be like what your favorite color is i don't care that you want to talk about <laughs> you know what i'll just say courage takes courage yeah 
Um, but, you know, try to try to surround yourself with people who believe in you and who support you and, and inspire you to uh, be your, your best self, your authentic self yeah. and, and, uh, and, and have the courage to do that. And then we'll make this world a better place. Oh my God. And wear the pink shirt. Wear the pink shirt. I should have worn one for this. That been amazing. Next time. People are going to be listening. So we'll just, he, he's actually wearing a pink shirt and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much. You I'm going to put all of your information um, about where people can find you on LinkedIn. I'm assuming that's the best platform for people to find you. Yeah. Yeah. LinkedIn. It's great. Yep. Awesome. Well, Brett, it was great talking with you today. Thank you for sharing your time and your amazing background with us. And we will talk soon. Thank you. Did you love what you heard today and you want more? Sign up for my weekly email in the show notes. It's packed with tips and tricks to lead and love your life. You can also follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram by typing in Emily Hawkins, the number four, the letter U. I'll see you here next week.